The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky. It was kind of like the weekend. It was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Uh, I am very sunburnt. I went to a softball tournament, and my face is fried. But don't worry, I've got the beautiful sunglass tan line to show for it. So hope you all had a great weekend. I did. Carter, you played golf on Saturday. How'd you shoot? Did you break 100? I did break 100. I there shot you go. 91. Then you're, that's a successful trip. You're good to go. Yeah, I haven't played in a while, and I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was and kind of battled to a 91. It's not it's not where I've been at my best, but I was happy with it. Look, man, the pros have to battle through some days, too, so you just, you just keep playing, man. You'll do just fine. But as it is Monday here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back right here on ESPN 106.7. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Auburn was on a bye, so hopefully you uh, did something other than sit and stress and worry and complain about football. I know I did. Uh, I watched football. I kept up with it, but not as heavily as some weekends just because Auburn was on the bye weekend. So tried to to take some more family time since I was with my family, stay a little Mm -hmm. bit more off the cell phone, but I did keep up with it. We're going to get into what happened in the world of college football, but hopefully you all had a good weekend with Auburn's bye week. Uh, hopefully you're a little bit happier on this Monday morning or this Monday afternoon than than you were last week or, or the week before or the week before. So Auburn's got a game this week. Of course, later on, we will get into that Auburn and Arkansas on Saturday, but we have so much to get into here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'd love for you to call in and be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. And as we get into the show today, it was still a busy weekend in college football. And for what was maybe not one of the most exciting weekends going into Saturday, it turned out there was a lot of really good games, some big results that happened over the weekend outside of the SEC, within the SEC. And so let's get into some of our reactions to what happened in college football. And I think we've got to start with the Alabama situation, with Jermaine Burton playing for Alabama on Saturday. It's a conversation you and I had last week about how he should be suspended. He shouldn't be playing. Of course, I, he was the player. I said that, that we should have a legitimate conversation about whether he plays again this season. I agree. And this was the conversation we had last week. Of course, this is the guy that was caught on video, or I shouldn't say caught. They just they videoed him hitting a woman, a Tennessee fan, as they rushed the field after Tennessee beat Alabama. He was the receiver that uh, reared back and reached out and smacked and punched whatever it was, this woman rushing the field. Don't worry, he played on Saturday for Alabama. Your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he started. I mean, it's it's a disgrace. It really is. It's embarrassing for Alabama. It's, it's weak by Saban, and I think that it's I, – I, I cannot believe that he did that. I cannot believe that he played him. 
and then after the game went asked about it, his entire response is just bogus. It's all like, oh, like, he was scared, I was scared, we all were scared. You watch the video, there's nobody around him, he's not scared. He's literally casually walking with his head down towards a locker room. If you're, if you're truly scared, are you not walking at a little quicker pace and maybe have, have your arms up ready to like defend yourself? That's not what was going on. And, and there's nobody around him. This girl tries to avoid him and step across and get out of his way. And she's past him. And he reaches out and hits her in the head. This is unacceptable. And then what bothers me the most about this situation is the line at the end where Saban basically says, you don't know the whole story to, to the media. It's like, if you knew the whole story, you'd feel differently. Right. Yeah, I've got the quote. I've That's got the quote not, right here. That is, if you're going to say that, come out and say what the whole story is. Exactly. Because you're leaving that up to implications that I don't think are fair. The quote is, I didn't think it was necessary to suspend the guy's statement. Said, this is from the which ESPN garbage, article. Which is garbage. This is from ESPN.com. He said, I didn't think it was necessary to suspend the guy. If you knew the whole story, this is what you were talking about. If you knew the whole story, maybe you wouldn't either. But I'm not going to divulge that. Uh, later on, it says, look, Saban told reporters, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation like that, but I talked to Burton. He was scared. I was scared. Some of our other players were scared. Look, we talked about... We've watched the video. He was not scared. We talked about the craziness of this situation last week, right? You just got beat by Tennessee in a big top five matchup with the biggest game in probably the entire season of college football. Tennessee beats you at their home place. You are Alabama. You are the top dog. You're the team that everybody's trying to beat, right? Tennessee beats you for the first time in 15 years. It's the biggest game that's ever been played in Knoxville, Tennessee. And 100,000 fans are rushing the field as you are the opposing team trying to leave. I get how that can be a crazy situation. Yeah. I get how that can be a little hectic. But never, ever, ever, ever is that okay, in my opinion. Agreed. And I don't care if she said something, did something, which according to the video, she didn't. But maybe there's more to the well, story, well, like she, Saban says. There's no physical threat to him in the video. Exactly. She has literally turned away from him and passed him. And he reaches out and hits her, which, which, which is never okay. When you throw that implication there at the end... It has a chance to get ugly. Like everybody's thought process goes to what is the worst thing that could have happened right here, which is not fair to the girl. It's not fair because I mean, I it, based on the video, I don't think she did anything wrong at all. I think if for, again, and from what it looks like, we need more info. I mean, and Saban talking about this other side or this story. I think it is his statement after the game is cowardly. The way he like the way that he said, "Oh, like he well, he was scared." Like I talked to him, I we didn't need to s- suspend him. I don't care if he was scared. I don't care. He did not need to play in that game Saturday. He probably didn't need to play for at least a few weeks. I thought through through the end of the year personally. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love to get your thoughts on this conversation as we kind of have some initial reactions to college football uh, over the weekend. But look. Uh, him talking about more to the story and other sides of the story there's obviously other sides there's obviously more information somewhere about why he did it or the situation he felt he was put in it is not it's so not fair to the girl 
put that implication out there because I, I mean I know where where my brain went when you throw that implication out there because there is no physical threat and so my brain goes to well that's implying that she said something and she said something awful and I don't think that's fair to put that implication out there which is why we need other information. We need more info. We really, really do. But I think I, I, if that information is available and if that is what Nick Saban based his decision off of Burton playing on Saturday is, people need to know that. People need to know that information. If Saban has it, the almighty God of Nick Saban, if he's got it, everybody else needs to have it too. Because how this looks for Alabama and Nick Saban is, why in the world is this guy he playing? He looks weak. He looks cowardly. In this moment. It looks like you he needed does. him to win. You played him because you needed the win, right? And it's not like he you, had a huge impact. For all intents and purposes, you shut out Mississippi State. For all intents and purposes, you beat him 30 to nothing. I know it's 30 to 6, but scoring a moral victory touchdown as time expires doesn't mean anything to me. Mike Leach, baby. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's... Don't tell me that Alabama team had to have him to win. I don't believe it. And, you know, I, and I think, to, again, to kind of play devil's advocate here a little bit, no. Did Alabama need – is Jermaine Burton the, the, the go-to, just the backbone of this Alabama team to make them win football games? No. But when somebody like Nick Saban makes a decision like this, you do want to think, okay, maybe there is more information. My biggest thing is if there is more information that he is basing this decision off of – why has it not been released? Why has it not been told? I think it, I think in all regards, that goes to the respect of Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver. It goes to the respect of the young woman that was hit. It goes to the respect of Nick Saban in Alabama. If I am her, after he puts that statement out there and Jermaine Burton plays, okay, I seriously consider some sort of charge. And, and being like, this is the way that I defend myself if I did nothing wrong. Has anything come out from her side or her, from her at all? I don't even know if we know who it is. That's what I'm honest, saying. I don't, because she's running like away. So I don't know if we, yeah, like you said, I don't know if we I know who a, she I is. I have a hard time believing that anything she did or said threatened Jermaine Burton to a point to prompt that response and not that this makes it any better but if she did do or say something to prompt that response she probably wasn't the first one if she did something like that i mean she wasn't the first person he came in contact with when he's trying to get off the field there's a video earlier of that Mm -hmm. yahoo putting the phone in his face and jermaine swiped the phone out of his face which okay i don't don't care about that one i don't care about that one that 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 kid the student Tennessee student got in his face right well if you want to get in his face to me that's that's more fair game right well look man it 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 was a controversial thing we talked about it going into the game we didn't know what the decision was going to be he ultimately played Nick Saban defended his his player he defended himself he defended his program I just think I think that Saban comes out of this looking pathetic to me i just think we need more information because i don't think he should have played until this was fully resolved and and he did anyway and so you know what he played whatever we need more information on this but it's i mean he's gonna play i mean until something comes out that is 
a criminal charge or something like that. Obviously, Alabama feels that he is fine and he was put in a bad situation to act that way. So they obviously feel that he's fine and and, and good to go. So uh, you can interpret it however you want. But in our perspective, and really in my perspective, until we get more information, uh, I just don't know how you can say, yeah, you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. Fair. I also, until more information goes out there about what actually happened, I think it is ridiculously unfair to make the statements that Saban made. I agree. I agree. Well, look, that's one of the big reactions from uh, from college football. Besides the result that Alabama did not look good playing against Mississippi State, yeah, they win 30-6, to but it was not a pretty 30 points. They scored six in the entire second half. Look, I think Alabama's beatable. Uh, Tennessee showed it. I think they are beatable. And I don't think – I think they're lacking a couple of those things that, that Nick Saban teams in the past have had, which is discipline. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out the correct words I want to use here. Discipline's a big one. And I think just being those dudes for Alabama, I don't think this team has that, right? When Alabama – I think now, especially after this week playing against Mississippi State and looking the way they did – I think when Alabama walks in the building right now, you're not like, oh, crap, Alabama's here. You're like, hey, Alabama's here. Let's play, right? I think that's sort of where we are right now. And Tennessee is a big reason for that. Depends on who you ask. Because I don't know if you saw Mike Leach's quote after the game. Which one? (laughs) He said that, one, his monologue about, (laughs) about players using their hands and he's worried about the process of evolution taking place in Starkville where this they're going to have athletic, athletic receivers running around that don't have hands to catch footballs because, they, because they, they don't use them. Amazing. But he said in his post-game press conference, which I think is a totally fair quote when you think about the fact that in three meetings this year, Mississippi, three meetings under Mike Leach, Mississippi State has scored 15 total points against Alabama, and six of those are on the last play. You've basically scored nine points in three games. Yeah. He said that when his team sees Alabama, sees the Alabama jersey, it beats them. Like, it gets in their head. They're scared of the Alabama jersey, which I think that that there's validity to that. I think so, too. When you see the way that that state team performed – it makes sense. And that has been the trend for so long in the SEC. Ever since Nick Saban won his first national title, that's how it's been with Alabama. When they show up, people they get teams get worried. You there's, get scared. You there, do. There's only a few teams when you look around the SEC that you can say, I think that that, that factor does not exist. And I would say Auburn. I'd say Georgia now for a while. I would have said Georgia, it was definitely there with Georgia. I'd say LSU. I'm not sure you say that with LSU. Think of how many times we've had the rematch of the game of the century and it's to decide the SEC West and we watch Alabama go shut out an LSU team and win 24 to nothing. Yeah, or something but like I don't that. think it's LSU seeing Alabama and saying we just can't compete with those guys. They might not be able to, but I don't think LSU ever has that mentality I think, when I, Alabama I, I walks there, in the door. I think there have been years past with, the, except with 2019 being the exception. That's a big exception. Uh, and and <laughs> la- last year, I'll be honest, LSU put up a really good fight in that game. But there's other years where you go into that game and that LSU team's a heck of a lot closer to Alabama than the result on the field shows. And it happened a lot in a row. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, I think to, to, to kind of my point is, 
even with how Mississippi State played, of course, they only scored six points in a garbage time touchdown. Alabama didn't look good. Uh, They just didn't. They scored six points in the second half. I mean, they did not look good. And Mississippi State has proven that their offense isn't what we thought it was, but they only scored 17 points last week. So it wasn't a huge statement by Alabama's defense. Yeah, they looked fine. But I think Alabama right now, and they very well could get it back, but they don't have that it factor that they've had for so long under Nick Saban. Is it slipping and and breaking for good? I don't know. We're going to find out. History would say no, right? Facts and, and just common knowledge would say no. But we're starting to see a trend over the last couple of weeks that Alabama looks beatable, and Alabama is beatable. Tennessee showed it. And I think teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss and some of these guys that are Texas A&M that are hanging around and showing some of the weaknesses in this Alabama team, I think is good news for Auburn. I think it's good news for the SEC if you want to see somebody else do it. We've got more reactions from this weekend in college football. We are off and running here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'd love for you to call in, be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn up like a sports leader. Winner of the Week 8 SEC Football Challenge over at ESPNAU.com. Results are in. Gary Michael Holloway, you are the Week 8 winner of the SEC Football Challenge. You have won a $25 Johnny Brusco's gift card and a 12-pack of Pepsi. Uh, Should have been contacted this morning, but we always like to announce the winner uh, here on the air. So, uh, again, Gary Michael Holloway, you are the winner from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, Gary went... Five for five this week on the SEC football challenge. Again, there was only a few games going on in the SEC, but he went five for five. So congratulations. Again, he wins a $25 Johnny Brusco's gift card and a 12-pack of Pepsi. So uh, coming up next week in week nine, so remember to get your picks in. Week nine will be a Wickles Pickles prize pack and a 12-pack of Pepsi that will be sponsored by Wickles Pickles and Pepsi. So big congratulations again to Gary Michael Holloway from Auburn. You are the week eight winner of the SEC football challenge continue to get your picks in at espnau.com reminder that the contest closes every friday night at midnight before the sec games get started on saturday Uh, we're down to a few more weeks of the regular season for uh sec college football i know that's kind of depressing to think about but it's flying by folks and the uh the the grand prize is still up for grabs the 50 inch 4k ultra hd smart tv you can still uh, be a part of that and try to win that all at espnau.com under the contest tab. Well, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you. Your takeaways from college football over the weekend, uh, the Alabama and Jermaine Burton situation, a result that really stood out to you uh, in college football, and that gets us into the question of the day. Carter, in your mind, what was the biggest result from college football on Saturday and why? Well, the biggest one... I think the one that had the biggest impact and I think exposed the team for what they actually are. And I I tried to warn y'all. I tried to warn y'all. Oh, uh, whatever. LSU 
was absolutely going to splatter that old Okay, Miss I team. said they were going to win. I picked LSU. Y'all picked them to win. I said they were going to win by two scores going away, and it was never going to be close. Which, I mean, it was close for, what, the first quarter? Yeah. And then LSU smoked them. LSU outscored them like... It was, it was a game. Like, it was a game at halftime. Yeah, but but, but, but LSU was, outscored them twenty-eight nothing in the second half. That's what did it. Yeah, and I well, Ole Miss had a twenty or a seventeen to three lead and got outscored from that point forty-two to three. Yeah, it's that was a bloodbath. Yeah. Oh, I agree. It and, was a big game. It was a huge game, and that pretty much takes out the the whole four SEC look, team at, college football Ole playoff Miss conversation. Is, the only saving grace Ole Miss has on its schedule right now this weekend is the fact that... Go ahead and say it. Texas A&M is a dumpster fire. Yep. Because if Texas A&M gets a win in South Carolina, Ole Miss isn't isn't beating Texas A&M this weekend. They aren't. And I think it's... Isn't it at, isn't at A&M this weekend, uh, I believe? That's a good question. I'm about to pull it up, though. Let's I see. It, it is. is at Texas A&M. Here's Ole Miss's remaining schedule. We talked about this last week. At AM, home for Alabama, at Arkansas, home for Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Which is losing is which is world, losing ground right now. There is a world where they lose out. And this Ole Miss team that was seven and oh that yeah. people were inventing scenarios where four SEC teams got into the playoff because everybody had one loss, goes seven and five. They're not good. They're really bad, actually. They, they just played nobody for the first seven games. There's a couple of games that I could choose for the biggest result in college football over the weekend, and I've gone back and forth on a couple of these, and I'm trying to decide if I want to pick a team that won or, or like a team that was a favorite that was supposed to win or whatever it may be. But, I mean, you could – I'm going to be a, a bad host here, and I'm going to pick like three different answers and because I can. And I'm going to say – TCU beating Kansas State, I think, was really big because I made the statement on Friday that if Kansas State were to win, I think the Big 12 would have been out of the college football playoff by the end of the year. So TCU keeps those hopes alive. Oklahoma State keeps those hopes alive, right, when they beat Texas. And Oregon beating UCLA the way that they did. So the Pac-12 is still alive. Oregon is still alive, something we've talked about uh, that they've got to continue to play well. Now, it's crazy that Bo Nix looks like Bo Nix when he plays Pac-12 defenses, but He's playing well, and well, he, he's he playing a, good. He has a good offensive line. He's got better weapons than he ever had at Auburn around him, with the exception of Tank and Jarquez. And he has a quarterback's or an offensive coordinator that actually can utilize his skills. Outside of the big ranked games from over the weekend, the biggest result in my mind, how about Duke slaughtering Miami 45-21? And it's you not that- know why that happened? Miami had eight turnovers. Yep. Eight of them. Eight. And, and, and Tyler Van Dyke got hurt. The starting quarterback gets hurt. Backup comes in, throws three picks, and Miami lost all five fumbles that they put on the ground, which is almost like a statistical anomaly. That's hard to do. That's some Auburn juju right there. 45-21, Duke beats Miami. And it's not surprising because Miami is this all-good team. Miami's three and four, y'all. I mean, Miami's three and four. But what's bad is Mario Cristobal is 3-4 and four in his first year in Miami. And you get beat by Duke at home, by the way. At home by double digits to Duke. That doesn't happen. It can't happen 
That's what stands out to me is Duke just just going on the road and manhandling Miami. Looking at the game outside of the big ranked matchups, uh, you know, I think that one really stuck out to me. Penn State doing what they did to Minnesota. Get out of here. Penn State's not a good football team. They're just not. They're not. They're they're good, but they're not college football well, playoff good. Minnesota was also down its best receiver and its sixth year senior quarterback, which is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal in a game like that. Like those two players tip the scales, and it becomes a very competitive game. How about Clemson having to escape Syracuse on Saturday morning? Syracuse blew that. They did. Syracuse had that game won. Absolutely they were dominating it. Don't let anybody try to tell you that Garrett Schrader's not a mobile quarterback, <laughs> uh, a dual-threat quarterback, because he led the team in passing and rushing. We love you, Jack Hudden. But, I mean, it's Syracuse is good. They're very good. But eventually, they ran into that Clemson defense, which is nasty. The Clemson quarterback situation is not good. No, it's not. It's not good at all. They're both bad. They're both bad, and they got bailed out by the fact that Will Shipley went 27 for 172 and two touchdowns and literally put the team on his back and won the game. This Clemson team is going to go 13-0 and get slaughtered in the first round of the college football playoff, and it's going to be awful football to watch. They're going to lose by 28 in the college football playoff. If we get to that point... Now that we're talking about having to be very, very, very selective for the college football playoff, could you see a point where Clemson wins out and doesn't get in? No. 13-0 Clemson gets in. Undefeated conference champion gets in, especially with with a name like Clemson. A rank number five right now. We'll see. I, I think you're right. Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, will join us here on the Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing. Back, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, welcoming in our usual Monday 2.30 guest, Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Happy Monday, Joey. Uh, Alabama, they get another win over Mississippi State, but uh, maybe not the prettiest of wins that we've seen so far this season. What can you tell us? Well, it was definitely pretty on the defensive side of the football, but offensive, yeah, not so much. Um, But that being said, Alabama was able to get the job done, as we're sure about to talk about. But overall, you know, it's uh, good to see, you know, defense get back on track and, uh, you know, heading into this bye week before a really big November 5th game at LSU. So let's start talking about this game a little bit. Alabama, they beat Mississippi State 30-6. to six. Uh, You could basically say they held Mississippi State scoreless besides the uh, the garbage-time touchdown over uh, that Mississippi State scored right there at the end. Uh, we asked you, and I think I ask you this question just about every time we talk to you, which one are you, which side of the football are you more impressed with, the offense that puts up 30 or the defense that holds Mississippi State basically scoreless? Well, this week I think it's no question it's the defense. You know, they were they were really really dominant from pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, they gave up 231 yards to, to Will Rogers, but you know, 30 of he had 60 uh, attempts and 30 completions because Mississippi State obviously throws the ball a lot, but they were able to hold them to just 62 rushing yards. Um, overall, this team had the most uh, pass. Um, uh, 
past breakups, excuse me, <laughs> couldn't remember the term for a second, uh, the most past breakups in the Nick Saban era with 15. You had four from Kool-Aid McKinstry and four from Eli Ricks, who picked up his first start in an Alabama jersey. So overall, it was just a, a really solid game. Combine that with four sacks um, for Alabama for 30 yards lost. Um, just overall, it was a very good game. And uh, on defense. Another thing you know you could highlight is heading into that final drive that you referenced, Alabama only had one penalty for five yards, which of course was a huge um, improvement from when they were at Tennessee where they had 17 penalties. Um, they did have two pass interference penalties on that final drive that Nick Saban was less than happy about, but so they ended up with three, uh, three, yards, uh, three penalties total, but you have to really like that improvement from the prior week. Joey, when that defense, and specifically that secondary, holds Will Rogers to 30 of 60 for 231 yards, just 3.9 yards per attempt, are we seeing a progression by the secondary who the game before against Tennessee struggled a good bit? Are we seeing them get better, or is this just a, a schematic advantage that Alabama has over the air raid and, and Mississippi State? I think it's a little bit of all of that. You know, I think, you know, that touchdown that, that Mississippi State scored, as as, <laughs> as uh, Jacob said in garbage time, um, that's the only touchdown that they've ever given up to Mike Leach. It's <laughs> the first and only touchdown they've ever given up to Mike Leach while he's been at, at Mississippi State. So Nick Saban's definitely had them figured out for a while now. But I think a big a big key also has just been discipline. You know, Henry Toto talked after the game about – how discipline was a really big key for them after that Tennessee loss and how they really needed to, to, you know, kind of batten down the hatches and focus on that moving forward. And I think that's exactly what they did because not only did you have the, the vast reduction in penalties, particularly undisciplined penalties like offsides or false starts, but you also had a, a very good improvement in, in just the pass coverage and communication and, and people knowing who they're sticking with and, you know, Eli Ricks hadn't been starting because, from what we'd heard, was because he just had a really hard time getting the schemes down. But against this air raid offense, we were really able to see, you know, Eli Ricks play man to man coverage, which is what he's best at. And since he, they didn't play much zone, that allowed him to pretty much be stuck on Mississippi State like gum on a shoe and to create all those those pass breakups along with McKinstry and the other DBs. So overall, I, I think it's kind of a combination of all the things you just said. We've got Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, talk about the offense a little bit. They put up 30 points in the football game, but only six of them in the second half. It was a, a game where Mississippi State outscored or outgained Alabama, excuse me, offensively in total yards, 293 to 290. It, it seemed like Alabama, obviously they win and they win convincingly, but maybe not the, the prettiest win we've seen from Alabama, especially offensively. Yeah, you know, Bryce Young finished the game with 249 passing yards, and he had his two touchdown passes. Jameer Gibbs had one rushing touchdown, but he only had 37 yards on the game, and he was Alabama's leading rusher. If you, you know, if you throw sacks into the mist, you know, Alabama had just 29 total yards on the ground, which is <laughs> not great. Um, but that being said, you know, this is a we saw once again Bryce was able to find, I believe it was 11 to get passes to 11 receivers. So. They still are diverse in that department. They're able to get the ball to a lot of different players, and they're you know very effective with that. But the running game is something that Allen has really improved on over the past few weeks, and we really saw them you know kind of take a tumble this week. And the running game is definitely something they're going to have to improve over the next couple of weeks if they're wanting to you know kind of play a more uh, 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 what was the word I'm looking for? Play a more diverse type of offense. You know, be able to balance the run and the pass against LSU because they're going to have to do that. 
this LSU team has a really solid defensive front seven. They have a really solid pass rush, and they're going to have to rely on more than just throwing the football. Joey, talking about that run game, they couldn't get going against Mississippi State. We saw them have three significantly stronger performances the weeks before. How much of that, specifically with a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who had put together three strong weeks in a row, how much of that was impacted by the the changeup at quarterback when you bring a probably a, more of a runner at quarterback in Milrow, and then with the ups and downs of this Jameer Gibbs season that we're watching, which guy is is Jameer Gibbs? Is he is he the guy that runs for a hundred three? 100-plus three games in a row, or is he the guy that's been pretty up and down and inconsistent this season? You know, I think I think he's the guy that, that can run 100-yard games. I think that he he was – obviously. I think part of what you said is true in that, you know, I think he was obviously given more carries when they had Jalen Miller mm-hmm. under center instead of Bryce Young for those for those couple of games there. Um, and I think when we saw that, he obviously flourished. You know, this game he only had 10 carries, which is, you know, maybe slightly below average – but not not a terrible number. Um, but you know, you'd like to see those numbers those numbers improve. Uh, Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams each had six carries. Neither of them had more than ten yards rushing. Um, Jameer obviously is a pass catching back. That's what he's good at. You know, even in this game, he had four receptions for thirty three yards. Um, but when Bryce with Bryce is under center, though, they definitely rely on the pass more than the run. But he has proven himself capable of being able to burst and you know get huge chunks of yardage, being able to break through the line when when the line is doing well. And um, I'd really like to see them kind of move over and, and run the football more because they've they've proven that they can do it successfully. But it's just when Bryce is out on the field, they really want to rely heavily on that pass. And I don't know if that's a Bill O'Brien thing or if that's a Nick Saban thing calling that number or if it's a you know, Bryce typically leaning towards the pass instead of the run. But um, regardless, I'd really like to see them emphasize that run game a little bit more because it's clearly been successful for them. Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us here on On the Line. Before we get into some of the bye week things and looking ahead for Alabama, some of the results around the SEC this weekend, of course, LSU upsetting Ole Miss at home, Texas A&M falling on the road to South Carolina. Any result of those that sticks out to you? Well, I think that this game, this game on November fifth with LSU and Alabama, just got a lot more interesting. Obviously, um, LSU was a team that you know, people really eliminated early on just because of their their week one loss to Florida State, but they really kind of you know come back with a vengeance. They've played really, really well. Um, I, I you know they're still they're still in the playoff hunt. They really are. They control their own destiny. If they can beat Alabama and win out, you know, as of right now, they would be that would be that team that represents the West in the SEC championship game. And I know that's kind of odd to think, especially with all the hype around Alabama and Ole Miss. Um, but that really is the case. Ole Miss is a team, you know, now that they don't quite control their own destiny. They they still they need to root for LSU. I mean, they need to root for Alabama to beat LSU. That's for sure. But if they can win out and LSU can beat Alabama, Alabama can beat LSU, then they're still in there as well. And as far as A and M, you know, that's just, uh, you know, I saw, I saw it that result because it's just another year of Texas A and M kind of stalling out. You know, they're now three and four. I believe they're one and three in the conference, and um, things have just gone from bad to worse for them. And I know, you know there was a lot of hype for this team heading into this year, particularly with the number one recruiting class of all time, and things just really are struggling over in College Station right now. Joey, with that LSU game, a night game in Death Valley, kind of on the horizon, and Alabama heading into this this off week, 
What does Alabama need to be working on? What do they need to improve for this home stretch of their season? Yeah, you know, I think there are several things they need to improve on. First and foremost, drops have been a problem among the wide receivers all all season. Um, they really need to work on that. And even more than that, when it comes to wide receivers, they need to get better at creating separation. The offensive line has been providing Bryce with a ton of time. You know, it seems like almost every play he's back there for four or five seconds before he either has to run it or, or get the ball out of his hands. Um, but the problem has been that the wide receivers have just been pretty rough at creating separation. They've been covered very well by pretty much every defense they've played that, you know, in, that's, you know, has, you know, that's in the SEC. Um, so I really would like to see that, you know, better. I saw what I really liked what I saw from the defense um, against Mississippi State, you know, especially compared to what we saw from them against Tennessee. So I think if they can just build on that foundation that they've established over the past week, you know, I think they'll be good to go. And then, you know, the other thing was the penalties. The penalties were something that this team really needed to work on. And I think it's kind of the same in the same boat as the defense with, I really like the progress that they showed over this past week, and they really need to just show consistency in that regard. When it comes to penalties, this team has been decent when it comes to playing inside Bryant-Denny Stadium, but when they're on the road, that's where the penalties really get rough, and they're about to have um, back-to-back road games in two really tough environments, so they need to watch out for that. We've got Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us here for the next couple of minutes here on ESPN 106.7. Going into the bye week, Alabama 7-1, and one, uh, obviously the one loss coming to Tennessee. They're still first in the SEC West. Looking at the home stretch for Alabama, uh, who has a later bye week than most, they've got at LSU, at Ole Miss, home for Austin PA, and then Auburn at the very end. What are the expectations? How are Alabama fans and, and Nick Saban really feeling about the stretch, the home stretch, if you will, for Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, and Auburn, all SEC games? Well, I can't really speak for Nick Saban, but I, I, can't, I can speak for Alabama. Well, why not, Joey? Aren't you his right-hand man? <laughs> I, I like to keep my credentials. I don't want them to be thrown <laughs> away. Uh, I can't really put my, you know, speak for him, but, you know, regarding Alabama fans, you know, there definitely is a lot more nerves than Tuscaloosa after that loss to Tennessee. There's no doubt about that. I think the win against Mississippi State, you know, was was a good, uh, was a good, was a relief, especially with how the defense performed. But this is, you know, this, this two weeks from now in Death Valley, you know, it's going to feel like the Alabama LSU games of old. You know, these are two teams that are coming together for the first time in several years, both with SEC um, title game aspirations and um, you know uh, Nick Saban and Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly hasn't had the best luck whenever he's played Nick Saban, but you know this is a, a really solid LSU team. I think he has a better chance than he had um, at Notre Dame those couple of times they played. So um, I really like this LSU team, and combined with the LSU fans in Death Valley, it's going to be nuts. And then you have a tough road trip to Ole Miss, whose offense is just prolific as always under Lane Kiffin. Kiffin always seems to be just a few plays short of beating Nick Saban and now they're going to be in Oxford and um, I think this is actually the first time they played in Oxford aside from the pandemic if I'm not mistaken so um, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun and definitely a lot of stakes on the line. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central he joins us every Monday here on the show we appreciate him and his time uh, as always man let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Bama Central. 
Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports, and then I work for Bama Central, which is at Bama Central on all social media platforms. It's a bye week this week, so not as much football coverage, but we'll definitely be previewing a lot of basketball with basketball season gearing up in the next couple of weeks here, so stay tuned for that. I know Auburn fans really care about Alabama basketball just because of how good their Tigers are down there, so they're really looking forward to that coverage. Well, man, enjoy the bye week. We will talk to you in two weeks. Uh, obviously, uh, you'll be uh, you'll have the day off having the bye week this weekend. So we we again we appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the bye week. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. We appreciate him. And, of course, like I said, he is, uh, he'll is he be off next week. We won't have him come on just because he's having a bye week. If there's no game to talk about, kind of defeats the purpose of having him on. So, I mean, we bring him on, talk about Alabama, talk about the game, and get the information from that. So he'll enjoy the bye week. We will talk to him in two weeks as they preview the Alabama and LSU game. That's Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We'll take our final break, wrap up hour number one here on on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central who joins us every Monday at 2.30 talking about Alabama and the Crimson Tide uh, as they beat Mississippi State. They go into the bye week, like I said, 7-1. and one. They're only lost to Tennessee. I like how we started to hint at a little basketball. We've got it coming up mm-hmm. in a few weeks, so uh, we're really excited to have I'm him excited. on for that. Yeah. I'm very excited. SEC basketball is going to be a blast this year, man. It's going to be so some, fun. Some optimism into Auburn athletics. Yes, yes, man. I'm telling you what. We need we need basketball season needs to get here like today. I mean, we, we need it really, really bad. But again, Joey Blackwell uh, of Bama Central, he does great work when he comes on here. He has great work over at Bama Central. If you're interested in any Alabama coverage, uh, we highly recommend that you go and check him out. But as we wrap up our number one, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. How about the World Series? It's set. We have a matchup that will begin that? on Friday. Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies, who are the hottest team in baseball. Well, both of them have kind of rolled to this point. I mean, the Astros haven't lost a game in the postseason. And then the Seven Phillies, and oh. the Phillies were the, the wild card team that won that series, and then they swept that series, if I recall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then they take three out of four against the Braves. Then they take four out of five against the uh, the Padres. I mean, these two teams have earned the right to to get to this point. With that said, I feel like we cannot talk about this World Series without talking about what on earth was that from the Yankees? Terrible. What on earth? Horrible. It was bad. And you know what? I loved it. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I loved I mean, it. I absolutely loved it, man. I hate the Yankees so mad. Oh my goodness! But I, mean, I, I hate not the to Yankees be in, not, and, I, and I hate the Astros. I do so. too. I don't like the Astros either, but I also don't like the Phillies. So I don't hate the Phillies like a lot of Braves fans do. I don't like the Phillies. I am going to root for the Phillies in this series. I think I am too. I think I am too. Just the because Astros I hate the Astros likeable. so bad, they're not likable at all. No, because of what they did. Right? How about I mean, this? so a couple thoughts that, that I've had. If the Astros lose this World Series, how much longer is the championship window open? One. Two, 
How much would they have squandered that window? They would be one in three in World Series. Yeah, I think if they don't win this one, it will just continue to close because you're going to see you're going to see Verlander's getting older right. by the day, and you're going to see people just continue to kind of peel off and go to different teams and different organizations. But We've seen it already. Does the does the asterisk on the World Series they won with the cheating scandal? Is it made bigger by the fact that if they go one and three, or if they lose the other three World Series that they're in, is it made bigger at all? I think? think I think so. Yeah, I, you could definitely make that argument because the argument would then become, well, what if they didn't cheat? Would they have won? Right. Also, that would be the argument. Here's the other thought. Think about what this would mean for the Mets if the Phillies won the World Series. Dude, that means that what in the last four years. The Nats, the Braves, and the Phillies all would have won a World Series. Ooh, in Ooh, their division. Okay, and the Mets okay. are spending the most money in baseball, and they and they haven't been able to get past the the wild card series. Wow, I had thought about that. Nicely done. I haven't thought about that. Ooh, I mean, that is serious though. Like, what do you think about that? Are the Marlins going to win it next year, and then and then the the Mets are going to be in actual purgatory? Oh man. That would be that would be really really bad if That'd that be happened. Hilarious, but you're if right, the man. Somehow won the World Series next year, and everybody in that division won one in a five year span. Span while the the Mets couldn't get out of the wild. That'd card. be wild. That would be absolutely wild. Like, but not not only do they consistently choke the division away, not only do they when they do get in the playoffs, they can't make it deep. Everybody else in the division is having unprecedented success great success yeah and look and here's one thing about uh kind of looking at that phillies team whether you like him or not in this postseason and especially in that series bryce harper's that dude he's been that dude so is reese hoskins so is kyle schwarber yep they've just been playing well they're the hottest team they've, they've got the three guys who have been the most influential hitters of the put real muto has been good too Mm -hmm. but then now they're they're four best hitters have been awesome in and the now, now the question becomes, do they stay hot? Do they stay hot? Because we've seen it go both ways. We've seen a team that makes a big run like this, who's the hottest team in the playoffs, whether it's baseball or another sport, where they get to the championship and they fall short. We've also seen where that hottest team continues to roll and they go and win the whole thing. So that's going to be the big question. Astros uh, are a pretty big favorite. I think they're minus 190 to win the series. Uh, obviously, it's going to be in Houston. It'll be a Houston uh, home series. Uh, they'll they have are, most of the they games. Are decent heavy favorites. Yeah, to they're, win they're pretty one. heavy favorites. There's a it's like a 15 game differential, and I think it's the second largest in World Series matchup history. No, uh, dude, it's a 19. 19, game even difference. bigger. Yeah, even bigger. Look, it's gonna be a great World Series. It starts on Friday. Hey, we're gonna have full coverage of the World Series right here on ESPN 106.7. We will have more information for you later in the week. But hour number one, it's in the book. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067. 
Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well after the weekend. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. I haven't looked at the weather coming up this week, but it's beautiful out there today. It was a beautiful weekend uh, all weekend long, and so hopefully you did something fun. Hopefully you got outside a little bit. Some of us maybe a little too much, but that's okay. And hope you're all doing well again on this Monday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or you can go to espnau.com that's espnau.com click on the podcast tab or the podcast center if you will and you can go and find it all right there you can find our show commercial free right after we go off the air so be sure you go and find that if you missed any of the first hour or any of our other shows uh back in hour number one we talked to uh, joey blackwell of bama central he joined us talking about alabama as they beat mississippi state and kind of talking about what they need to work on as the Crimson Tide goes into the bye week. Uh, so that was a really interesting conversation to hear what Joey Blackwell had to say. So we talked to him. Uh, we gave some of our reactions from around the world of college football. We did talk about the Jermaine Burton situation quite a bit uh, with between myself and Carter. So that was a good conversation as well. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Well, here in hour number two, uh, we're going to talk some Auburn football coming out of the bye week. Uh, what's got to change? Kind of some some updates on where Auburn athletics stands right now and uh, kind of just figure out what in the world is going on over in Auburn. And uh, later on, we'll have question of the day. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30, like we always do on Monday afternoon. So it should be a fantastic second hour. We would love for you to call in and be a part of the show Uh Call in. Be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. We'll put you through to us. Carter, as we start this second hour, let's start talking Auburn football a little bit coming out of the bye week. Uh, it was a much-needed week off for Auburn. They had, I mean, just they were limping and crawling into the bye week, if you will. And if, if Auburn had to play last week, there may not be defensive linemen to play this week. That's what I'm saying. They needed, they needed a, a mental break. They needed a physical break. They needed a, a football break. And I hope that's what they did, right? You hope that... They worked on some things, and they figured out some things, right? They needed a break from the game of football, and let's be honest, they probably needed a break from the media and from the whole Brian Harson situation, from the whole athletic director situation. They needed a break, and now it's time to get back to business because, look, just because you're down doesn't mean other teams aren't going to try and kick you, right? You've got to come back and come out of this thing and try to win some football games if you're Auburn because now – You've got Arkansas this weekend at home, 11 a.m. kickoff, right? You've got to get up and get ready for that this week and on Saturday morning. You've got at Mississippi State next week, home for Texas A&M, which is starting to look a little bit better. You've got Western Kentucky, and then you've got to go on the road to Alabama. 
And so what's exciting about this schedule, if you can believe it, is the Arkansas game looks a lot more doable. The Mississippi State game looks a lot more doable. And the Texas A&M game looks a lot more doable. And you can make the argument that the Alabama game looks a little bit more doable. Not that I'm saying Auburn. Come on. We talked about it. Alabama is beatable. Is, is Auburn capable of that right now? No. But what I'm saying is looking down That's, the stretch of okay. Auburn's schedule, the games are easier than what we thought they were going to be. I mean, they just are. Arkansas has slipped. Mississippi State has slipped. A&M is not good. Arkansas is also coming off a bye as well. They are. And just went to Provo and put it on BYU. Who also lost to Liberty this weekend. Yeah, and Liberty's good. Liberty's better than Auburn. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But what I'm saying is, looking at Auburn's schedule, it's a lot better than what it could be and what we thought it was going to be looking at it coming out of this bye week. Yeah, I still don't feel good about either either of the road trips, I think. Especially with what you saw Mississippi State do to Auburn last year in the second half. You can't have a lot of confidence going into that game. Now, with with... Arkansas, Auburn should be able to put up points. But my concern is the fact that I think that Arkansas can score a lot more points on Auburn's defense. I think you're going to see a repeat of the Ole Miss game this weekend. I think you're going to see something very similar. Mississippi State game is going to be kind of a standalone anomaly. I think the Texas A&M game is going to be the Missouri game all over again. Where... where because at that point, you know what's fascinating about that game? If Auburn loses the next two and AM continues to flounder, what's the difference when you've got two teams in free fall? I think it comes down to just raw talent at that point. If you've got two teams in free fall, and we know AM's roster is more talented. Like, I'm still not confident going forward because I don't believe in this coaching staff's ability to scrape out wins. I mean, honestly, I'm not all that confident about Western Kentucky. I'm not. Because they're a good team in Conference USA. Where is Auburn at mentally when that game happens? And they're playing they're playing for a Conference USA championship, and then they'll have a chance to get a an SEC pelt on the wall. I'm not confident right now going into any of these games. I think it's interesting to look at the next couple of games for Auburn and Texas A&M because you bring up an interesting point about both of these programs right now are in just free fall, right? Yeah, that's literally what you were just talking about. And it can continue over the next couple weeks. Exactly. Auburn has Arkansas this week on the road at Mississippi State next week. A&M has Ole Miss at home this week and Florida at home next week before they come to Auburn. So you could see a very likely chance of either – uh, you can make an argument. Is it for, a battle of three and six teams in Auburn? Could be. I don't think it will be, but it could be. Yeah, because I think I think I legitimately think A uh, and M is going to beat Florida at home. I think that that's doable. Ole Miss probably not with the way that they're playing right now. I just don't think A and M could stop Ole Miss. I think that would be the only thing. I, I mean, not they, that Ole I Miss think, is good. I think they but. can stop Ole Miss enough to keep that game close. I don't. Th- I don't know if they're going to score, especially if. Uh, Weigman or Weigman, the uh, third string quarterback is playing. I forget how to pronounce his name. And it's it's a night game at Texas A and M. Yeah, it's it's, but it's there's not a lot to inspire confidence. I don't know if Auburn. I know Arkansas's defense is really bad. 
I don't know if Auburn can score at the pace that I that I think Arkansas can score on Auburn. And that's why you're seeing a three-and-a-half-point line slowly creep Arkansas's way more, and now it's at four points. Right, you're talking about it opened up at three-and-a-half Auburn versus Arkansas this weekend. It's now up as, to four as on ESPN. Arkansas, as Arkansas being the favorite. Well, correct, yeah, correct. 11 a.m. kick on SEC Network. Obviously, Auburn and Arkansas coming and up this Saturday. Here's, here's a legitimate question that I think is 100% fair for the fan base. What's the crowd like on Saturday? 11 a.m. kick. You've lost four of your last five. Everybody knows that the head coach right now is on his way out. A lame duck. Let's let's go with that for right now. And he's not going to be the coach in twenty twenty three. What is the what is the crowd like? That is a legitimate question. And the only thing that helps this matter is the bye week being last week because you're not coming off of. A direct loss, right? You are technically coming off of a loss, but you didn't just lose two days ago. But but at the same time, I've never I've never seen Auburn fans, more of them that I talk to, that purposely make tea times on Saturdays during the Auburn game so they don't have to watch. They're out on the golf course. There's a lot of Auburn fans I've never disconnected seen that like this. They're disconnected right now. There is there is a level of exhaustion and being tired of what has taken place over the last two months. And there is a level of apathy that has crept in rather quickly. And you know what plays into that is the confusion around the athletic director search, the confusion around how long Brian Harson is going to be here. All of that plays into this because Auburn fans don't know anything. They don't know any information yep. because Auburn won't give them any information. Auburn fans want to know who the athletic director is going to be. They want to know how much longer Brian Harson is going to be here, and they want to know who their next head coach is going to be. But Auburn hasn't given them any information. Mm-hmm. And the media, you know, we, we talk about it, and people write about it, and people put on message boards about it. But until a true decision has been made, nobody really knows because no, Auburn is true. keeping this close to the chest. And, and you can respect them for that. But that plays into Auburn fans being exhausted, being disconnected, the, being over it. They just don't they want to know what's next. The fact that that the consensus seems to be being re- reported on the various Auburn sites that Brian Harson is going to coach out this season and he's not going to be the coach in 2023. That further uh diminishes the excitement around this program. And it elevates the level of apathy. People don't. There's, there's, there's no energy around this program. Well, it's hard to cheer if for you, a guy who's on his you, way out the door. If you made a change, then you would have at least some excitement there. You'd have some sort of fresh energy around the program. People would be like, okay, let's see what these guys do now that a change has been made. You've seen it all over the country. Nebraska's gone and gotten wins. Colorado got a Colorado's the worst team in America. They went and got a win. Georgia Tech got a couple wins. Now their quarterback's hurt, and so they're losing games now. Arizona State went and got a ranked win. Everybody Wisconsin. Wisconsin's still in play in the Big Ten West after they fired their coach because they they have been that much better since then. When you were growing up and you're playing on your Game Boy Color, right, and you're playing on your your game, whatever game you're playing, whether it's a Mario game or Pokemon or whatever, and you wanted to you wanted to just wipe the slate clean, right? What'd you do? 
You flipped it over, you found a ballpoint pen, and you pressed the restart button. That's what Auburn needs. And I think that's what Auburn fans want is just to re- kind of just push the restart button as, as fast as they can because they know, everybody knows that Brian Harson is going to be gone at some point. Now, a couple of weeks ago, would we have believed that he was going to coach out the rest of the year? Probably no, not. And, I the, mean, we talked about him being fired, but it changed. Once once it became clear what the timeline is going to be, and the timeline is going to be hire an athletic director, then make a decision on Harson, even though we all know what the decision is. I mean, I'm not I'm not sold that if he won out, he would keep his job. Which is crazy to that say. That is crazy, but it's I'm it not may be sold true. on that. What 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 I hate what I what I can see on the horizon is potentially happening because as we've seen this season progress after the Penn State game people nationally were like is Auburn going to fire Brian Harson? and they'd be crazy to do it this soon from that point to now the narrative has shifted now it's Oh my gosh, Auburn won't fire this guy. We all it needs to happen. Everybody everybody knows it. Like why are, what are they hanging on for? And the narrative has shifted in a way that Auburn will not be viewed as the bad guy nearly as much when they part ways with Brian Harson. But that can change if Brian Harson wins his next four games. And there is a path to do so. There's a path to get hot. I, I'm not under any illusion that this Auburn team, the way it's currently constructed, will go into Tuscaloosa and beat that Alabama team. But they at least have a chance in some fashion in the next four. If Brian Harson gets hot and wins all those games and you still part ways, the narrative will swing back the other way into what is Auburn doing? Why are they doing this? They're seven and five with a chance to win an eighth game in a bowl game. It's just year two. L, all of those old storylines come back if you let this play out and he gets hot. Which is what makes the Auburn coaching job so hard. And that's what makes Auburn so difficult at times because of how the narrative changes so often, right? You see how it has changed four or five different times in this football season and what Brian Harson is and his future is at Auburn. And I think, again, this is why Auburn fans are just so frustrated and so tired because it's hard to cheer for a guy that they know, A, can't get it done, B, isn't doing his job correctly, and C, is on the way out the door. He's, this isn't, shown, he's shown that he's out of his depth in the SEC. He didn't know what this he was is, getting into, and in, he hasn't adjusted at all. He's in over his head. Very and, much so. And, that's, and that much is apparent. And so the issue here, and I think this is, Auburn fans would feel a lot better about it if an athletic director was in place. But that appears to be dragging on. And that, honestly, the athletic director search, to me, is having a worse effect on the state of the fan base than the decision around the head coach because you know the next athletic director is going to make the decision. And you've also known Alan Green was not going to be the athletic director past January when his contract expired this upcoming January. That was known for sure. Why is this taking so long? It's a legitimate question that that should be asked. It's taking too long. And 
I know that there was a there's a deadline set for end of this month. I'm not sure right now that 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 gets hit because it keeps it keeps stretching on and it keeps stretching on. And honestly, once you get to November, I don't see a reason to keep Brian Harson anymore because then because everybody says, well, well, they don't want to fire him now because then it opens a transfer portal window. I believe the transfer portal window opens regardless in November. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see a school like Auburn start their head coaching surge before the Iron Bowl. That way that they can name a coach on that Sunday or that Monday. And that coach can get everything in place and salvage a recruiting class. Because we know what, 80% of high school recruits sign in the early signing period? You need to give whoever the next coach is the most amount of time to salvage a recruiting class. And I think there are people, there are coaches that can get that done. But you've got to be primed and ready to go. Firing Brian Harson after the Iron Bowl would be an antiquated old-fashioned way of thinking that hinders you in the modern age of college football with the early signing period, with NIL, all of those things, with the transfer portal. You need to get stuff done sooner. It's not, it's not the way it was five years ago. Everything has changed in college football. And the problem with all of that, because you're right, you're 100% right, and the problem with that is, is something that you made a point about a few minutes ago, Auburn fans know that Brian Harson's not going anywhere until a new athletic director's hired. And Auburn has drugged their feet on this athletic director decision for weeks now. And that's the problem. No decision's going to be made. No actual change will be made until Auburn hires an athletic director. And they still haven't done it. And that's just another building block on the frustration of this Auburn program. That is just another building block on the... the the questioning of the Auburn Athletics Department and what they are doing with the football program right now. We got to get to our first break here in hour number two, 334-321-1390. We'd love to get your thoughts on all of this. We know some of you have some opinions. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed it, we're going to talk about it some more here in the second hour. 334-321-1390. Question of the day. The biggest result from Saturday in college football. Uh, we talked about a few of them, but let's run through it again. Carter, your biggest result from the weekend in college football. I'm going to go with a different answer here. Oh, okay. I'm going to highlight a couple games here to start out. That's kind of what I did. I'm, I was very, I'm very indecisive, and I picked like three games. So I'm going to highlight the four obvious reasons. And we're going to start in Waco, Texas. You had Baylor take down Kansas 35-23. If I recall correctly, that Baylor offense looked pretty awesome. And they, I'm pulling up the stats right now, they had 437 yards of offense, which, fine, but they put up points early. They looked pretty strong. It was impressive. The play calling was awesome. For obvious reasons, we are mentioning 
that team because of who their offensive coordinator is and how he's I'm sorry, who is their offensive coordinator? Jeff Grimes. Oh, Jeff Grimes. As That's a right. potential option as a head coach here at Auburn. Another one I'm going to look at. We mentioned it earlier. Wait, the Jeff Grimes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Liberty 41, BYU 14. And how about Liberty putting up 547 yards with their backup quarterback on BYU and drumming them, holding them 258 yards. That one is impressive to me. And what's Liberty's record now? Oh, they're like, what are Seven they? and one, four and oh in their conference. What are your answers? I had a couple of them, and obviously you were choosing answers based off of um, Auburn head coaching prospects as coaches at those schools. A couple of the games that I pointed out, uh, obviously the big ranked matchups, uh, talking about obviously LSU defeating Ole Miss, something that a lot of people predicted and a lot of people said was going to happen, and sure enough, it did. Uh, TCU defeating Kansas State. I think, obviously, we talked about these games on Friday and the impact that they have on the college football playoff. I told you about that when we were at break. I don't know how real TCU is because they have a weird luck right now. You told me that, and, and I didn't know backup this. Quarterback. Yeah, tell them what. Tell them what you told me. I believe four of their last five wins, and I think their last five wins have all been big, big, big games for them. I think they've beaten the backup quarterback in four of those games. I know they did against K-State. I know they did against Oklahoma, and I know they did against Kansas. The starter got knocked out in those last two. Mm-hmm. Starter did not even really play in the K-State game. It was the uh, the backup quarterback, Howard, for, for K-State that whole game, and he looked awesome to start, and then they just, I don't know what happened. They quit They quit winning game. We're putting up points. Also, fun other fact. Jackson State is 7-0. and Just want to put that out there. Oh, and they okay. are hosting game day this week. They are. I did. I saw that. They are hosting game day. Uh, I just, think it's to, a, just to mention the three right. most talked about right. Auburn coaching For candidates. Sure. Yeah, I, I think TCU winning again. I think that's big because of the Big 12 implications. Uh, I just felt like if Kansas State were to have won that football game, I think they would end up losing somewhere else down the road, and the Big 12 may have played themselves out of a college football playoff appearance. TCU, 7-0, 4-0 in the Big 12. They are still uh, alive and rolling in the Big 12. Oregon, they looked really good. Bo Nix, he looks really good, and I think he he needs a Pac-12 team. He needed a Pac-12 offense. He needed to play against a Pac-12 defense. He looks good. He does. He looks good. Do they play USC? I don't think they do, do I they? don't think they do. They do not. They have, here's Oregon's remaining schedule. Cal, Colorado, Washington, Utah, and Oregon State. So Oregon, look, Oregon's got a really, really clear path to If you want to look one at, loss at that schedule on a calendar, you circle November 19th against Utah. At home, by the way. Yes, but because of what happened last year, mm-hmm. they got crushed. By them twice. I believe it was 38-10 and 38-7 twice in three weeks, I believe. They need to show some life against a more physical Utah team this year. They need to exercise those demons from last year. And look at what Oregon is going to go through before they get there. Cal, Colorado, and Washington. I mean... Washington's good now. Washington's good, but they're not... 
I mean, the way that Oregon's playing right now and the way that Bo Nix is playing right now, look, you can make you can make the comments about, oh, that because he's playing at Pac-12. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But the guy's still balling. I mean, he is playing really, really good football right now. We need to give Washington and Oregon State the respect they deserve. Oregon to State end for that sure. Schedule. Yes, for sure. Those three teams at the end of of end of Oregon's schedule will test this Oregon team more than the first half of the schedule did. Here's what Bo Nix is doing right now. 1,800 yards, 71% passing completion percentage. He's averaging 8.5 yards per throw, 17 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. He's been sacked one time. Well, yeah, he's got a good offensive line, and he is mobile. I mean, Auburn's sack numbers would be down a lot more with Bo Nix. Bo Nix did wonders to shrink those those sack numbers in his time at Auburn. And so here we go again. The conversation we had at the beginning, if Oregon continues to slowly win and they go all the way and they went out from here, what do you do with them at the end of the year? I think it makes it really interesting. I really they, do. They aren't getting in over undefeated conference champions if it's TCU and Clemson. I agree. But they got to get to that point first. We got to get Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network on the phone. He'll be joining us when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, we got about 30 minutes before we get out of here. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, welcoming in our other Monday afternoon guest, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, how was your bye week, man? You didn't have uh, your obligations with the Auburn Sports Network. What did you do on the bye week? Well, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious. I just sat around and watched football because <laughs> don't get to do that as much on Saturdays as I would like to. So uh, spend the bye week doing that and uh, really just relaxing and uh, getting as much rest in as possible, just just like Auburn football. Jacob, well, as a uh, as a Panthers fan, what has the oof. roller coaster <laughs> of emotions been like the past? I don't know, seventy two hours. You know, it, it's interesting. The last seventy two hours has just it's been kind of fun, I would say, because after the firing of Matt Rule, you just kind of you're kind of going about it and honestly I expected the ultimate tank to happen but getting that win against uh, a team that made it to the playoffs last year Tom Brady that that, that was fun to watch and you know whenever whenever something like that happens to a team you, you just kind of want those guys to have fun and and really build some momentum going into the next season. So just no thoughts on your running back now playing in the Bay Area? Man, fake fan. I, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, Christian McCaffrey, we, we, the Panthers needed to get as much value for him as possible, and the sooner you got rid of him, the better. And that, that's how I look. Hey, it. it's just more picks to trade for another quarterback, man. Well, you know, that, that needs to happen. Because look at the quarterback situation in Charlotte right now, okay? Look, man, we can't say anything. Carter's a Colts fan. They're terrible. I'm a Packers fan. Hey, they're terrible. We're on the same like, Ellinger train now, baby. Let's look, go. I can't say anything. The Packers have lost to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders in three straight weeks. they got to play the Bills this week. It's going to be a disaster. But, Oof. look, believe it or not, <laughs> Hillman, we, believe it or not, we actually don't have you on for your NFL knowledge. We do bring you on for your Auburn sports knowledge. So we're going to kind of get into that a little bit. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Of course, it is, or it was, I should say, the Auburn football bye week. Um, 
We talked to you last week about what Auburn needed to work on going into the bye week, but a, a big question now is what should fans expect from Auburn football coming out of the bye week with Arkansas coming up at 11 a.m. on Saturday? Well, it's going to be a re-energized team, obviously. Uh, Coach Harson talked about it today at his press conference about getting guys healthy and able to play. Now, not everyone's fully healthy, but um, a lot of guys are going to be able to play that uh, might not have been playing over the last few weeks, um, or especially during those two uh, the two game road trip. And, uh, and and having that's going to make things a little bit different. Just add dynamics to the offense as well as just uh, help the defense, uh, uh, especially in that run game. Because I think the front the front seven was just real banged up and not really any official injury designations. But uh, we saw guys like Marcus Harris, uh, Derek Hall go out with um, uh, getting banged up in the Ole Miss game and. And having them rested up is gonna it's gonna help that run game, uh, the run defense. So um, that, that's good to hear from Coach Hartson that those guys are re-energized. But I mean, I, I just think it's good that these guys are still bought in. That you, you can see it whether it's on social media or or just how they've been playing, how they played in that second half against Ole Miss. It, it, I'm just looking forward to being back in Jordan Hare Stadium and, uh, and and facing an Arkansas team that's also kind of in the same position as. Uh, Auburn where you're one and three in the SEC looking to spark something for the month of November. Jacob, this Auburn team right now is last in the country in turnover margin per game. Coming off a bye week like that, how how could Auburn use that bye week to start taking care of the ball better, especially with the amount of times that they've been putting the ball on the ground this season? Yeah, I mean, and you're right. It is about some of the fumbles, and especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I look at the offensive line because I think I think some of some of the fumbles are obviously uh, with the younger Robbie Ashford maybe getting a little too antsy when he's uh, running his own read and he tries to pull the ball when he shouldn't, or or he, he's just not very confident in what he's doing. But other times, I feel like. Uh, he's just running for his life. Or when T.J. Finley uh, lost that fumble against Ole Miss, he, he had no time in the pocket to throw. So I, I want to see the offensive line. They looked real good uh, uh, running the ball against Ole Miss, but I, I still think there's work to be done in pass protection. And, and, and hopefully that week off, you know, guys are getting healthy. And, and those those new guys that played, uh, whether it's Brendan Coffey or Jeremiah Wright, their pass protection, maybe they were able to watch some film and, and, and really nail that down so that, uh, against Arkansas, you're able to uh, to do that because Arkansas is a great pass rush, uh, one of the best in the SEC. So uh, you're going to have to look out for that. I think it is the best in the SEC sacks per game. So um, you really want to make sure you're you're ready for that defensive line. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Uh, Going back to the ba- the bye week that Auburn, of course, is coming off of, how important was it not just physically to get a break for this Auburn football team, but mentally as well, coming off of the three-game skid with everything and all the noise that's going on around the program, around Brian Harson, around the athletic department right now, how important was it not just physically but mentally for this team to get a break? Well, I do think it is kind of the same thing as, as the physical. You know, you, you've got to rest your brain at some point. It's the same way as resting your body and after it's been working for uh, seven straight weeks. So you really want to see uh, those guys come back just locked in and focused and, and, and having that bye week. I, I'm not sure if there were any team activities ever done or if, if those guys kind of just did their own thing, maybe went home and uh, saw their families or or stayed on campus and, and didn't even worry about football for the weekend. Uh, I know a lot of the coaches were off recruiting, but uh, uh, for the players themselves, it, you know, it's just something that 
you have to block out the noise. And, and, and something that Coach Harson has been harping on is control what you can, what you can control. And, and if they do that, then they're going to be in a good position mentally. Where, you know, like I said, you're re-energized physically, but that, that mentality is just back to, all right, it's game week again, and you, know, you kind of feel like it's a new season. After, after a rough start, you, you want to come back after that bye week and, and make something out of this season. And Auburn has a chance to do that over these next three weeks. Um, and, and really just, you know, making something happen in November. That, I think that's got to be their goal. And, and having that bye week to rest, one, their bodies, and two, their minds, uh, is going to help them do that. Jacob, Arkansas comes in this weekend. Right now, there's not a Power 5 team that runs the football more. Auburn, after giving up 743 rushing yards the last two games, stands 119th nationally in run defense. How can Auburn, coming off this bye, kind of corral this run game with Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson when they face Arkansas on Saturday? Yeah, I think the most difficult part is that Arkansas is also coming off a bye. They're, they're going to be on their third straight road game uh, this season uh, after going to BYU and uh, having this bye week. And, you know, I think, I think your, your, biggest, uh, your biggest concern is going to be that quarterback position, K.J. Jefferson. We know that Rocket Sanders is going to – uh, run the ball well, and you want to limit him as much as you can, but he's going to get his. Uh, I think the most important part is limiting uh, K.J. Jefferson and forcing him to throw the ball, maybe uh, go over the top more than he would like, because I, I think that that's how he sets things up. He likes to run the ball a little bit and, and then uh, and then find his open passing lane. So uh, if you limit K.J. Jefferson a little bit, he's the second leading rusher on the team, uh, I think you have a better chance at, you know, first of all, maybe forcing a turnover here or there. And then you can limit Rocket Sanders um, to the amount that you need to because uh, him leaving the SEC right now, if he has another big game, maybe even if he gets to that 1,000-yard mark, he's at 870 right now, You maybe the goal is to limit him to 130 yards where he doesn't hit that 1,000-yard mark against you. And if you do that, that that's going to be a really good uh, limitation. And then I, I just think that the key is K.J. Jefferson and not letting his legs beat you on the ground. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on On the Line. Hillman, a question that Carter and I were sort of pondering in the first hour was, what will the fan response, what will the fan turnout be on Saturday? Of course, coming off of the three losses and the bye week, it's an 11 a.m. kick, something that uh, it's tough sometimes in the SEC and around college football for a full stadium to be filled. 11 a.m. kickoff against Arkansas, what should the fan turnout be, and why should fans still be going to these games and supporting Auburn? Well, first of all, you haven't had a home game since October 1st, so it's almost going to be a full month uh, since you've had that opportunity. But also, you only get eight of these a year, so uh, that's how I look at it. It's almost like a holiday anytime you get a game day down in Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and, and that's the same way throughout the country. And, I, I, that, that, and that's why I would say, you know, Always come out and support. There's still tickets available at aubtix.com. Um, but I expect the Auburn family to be out there in strong force. You know, it might be a late-arriving crowd, but, uh, for example, the Missouri game, you still had uh, about 80,000 uh, in the building. So, you know, not not your typical sellout that you see like you did against the LSU or Penn State, but uh, you do I do expect there to be a strong showing, and, and, and the Auburn family doesn't waver. It's, it's an exciting weekend on the plains. You're going to have volleyball on Wednesday, who – is really showing strong. They're they're going to be going for first in the SEC. Then you've got soccer hosting number one Alabama on Thursday. Then on Friday, Auburn baseball plays a fall exhibition against 
uh, Alabama at Plainsman Park. That's something that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, it's not just a football game. It's, it's everything around Auburn and, and, and doing uh, what you love to do and just spending time on the plane. So I, I think that's why the Auburn family will show up as they always do. Jacob, coming out of the off week in this home stretch of the season, who are some people that you have your eye your eye on to kind of really break out and make an impact down the stretch? Well, I think I want to look at the receivers a little bit. Uh, Javarius Jante, he's, he's been the guy for Auburn so far this season. Uh, 19 receptions, and that's not a lot. And I look at a, a, an interesting stat that I noticed in uh, the Auburn game notes is that Robbie Ashford, he's second in the SEC and fourth nationally in passing yards per completion. Uh, that's 15.13 yards per uh, completion. And, you know, obviously he's not throwing a ton, and, and sometimes his pass, passing uh, uh, percentage isn't, or his completion percentage isn't the best, but it shows that whenever he does make a play, it, it can really open up uh, this whole offense. And, you know, guys like uh, Javarius Johnson, he's the one that can really open an offense up. He, he can, you never know, like that first drive against LSU, just a big 50-yard touchdown pass just like that. Uh, Coy Moore also had a decent, had a pretty good game against uh, LSU, and he's he's kind of been on and off since then. He had a he had a good catch against Ole Miss. So I want to see some of those receivers really really make some big plays and get open and give Robbie Ashford some uh, someone to look for as uh, as they run their routes. So uh, the receivers are the main ones, but I mean obviously the running backs. I think that that's still the key is you got to get Tank Bigsby the football and let him run and do what he did against Ole Miss. Now he might not run for that many yards every single game, but uh, he, he's going to be able to get his. Just, just kind of like I was talking about with Rocket Sanders. Let St. Bigsby get his, and that should open up uh, other options in the offense. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. You kind of mentioned it already, but I was going to ask you about the other sports going on around Auburn. Um, obviously, Obviously, volleyball is is killing it right now. Soccer has the, that massive matchup with Alabama that you talked about. Uh, just just kind of elaborate a little bit, if you could, on some of the other sports going on around Auburn athletics. Because look, man, Auburn athletics are are on the rise and they're doing really really well right now in fall. Yeah, and, I, and I'll start with with what you're talking about volleyball. Number one in the SEC and hosting number eleven Florida on Wednesday. Let me tell you, Neville Arena is turning into a winning factory. We, we know what uh, Coach Bruce Pearl has done with the men's basketball program, and then obviously the gymnastics team is, is, is still just continuing to rise up, getting recruits left and right. Uh, Coach Johnny Harris has uh, the women's basketball team on the rise. And then, like I said, volleyball having a great season and, and looking to – this is really their first big test uh, of the season, so we'll see what they're really made of on Wednesday night and then – uh, Auburn soccer wraps up its regular season against Alabama, who's number one in the country on Thursday. Um, and, it, and it's always fun, the fall ball kind of kind of deal. You're, you're going to have Alabama coming to town. It's going to be a real fun crowd uh, out there Friday night at Plainson Park. So uh, if you want to check out them, I, I would get out there. Uh, the weather's going to be beautiful as well. So, you know, it, that, like you said, it's always a great time around Auburn around these times because you've got football going on, but there's so much else going on that, uh, you can be a part of and really enjoy that, um, whether it's sports or not. Uh, yeah, I love being down here during October. And look, man, basketball season is right around the corner. It is. It is going to be here. It's going to be here in the blink of an eye. I know. I know you're excited about that, man. Can, cannot wait. Uh, we've got the exhibition next Wednesday against UAH. Uh, Auburn Sports Network will have online streaming coverage for that. So 
Uh, stay tuned for those details. We talk about that next week as well. Excellent, man. Well, look, we appreciate you coming on uh, as you do every single week. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on, brother. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. We'll have uh, coverage for the Arkansas game starting at 8 a.m. Central with the Tiger Tailgate Show on Saturday. So tune in for that. It's an early one. You'll have to be up and ready, but I know you guys will be. You guys do a fantastic job at the Auburn Sports Network, man. We appreciate you coming on. We will talk to you next week, my friend. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's get to our final break. We'll get to the phone lines, and we'll wrap up this Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, uh, Jacob Goins, Carter Burrow. We got to make it quick. We got two calls to get to in about five minutes, so we're going to do our best. 334-321-1390. Hootie, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hello, do we? Hey, hey, we got you now. What you got, man? I said... I said, y'all cover baseball pretty, pretty good. Yeah, we try to when we can. Okay. How many players that play for Atlanta Braves turned out to be real good managers? I can remember Joe Torrey. Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Ain't Dusty Baker play for uh, Atlanta? I think he did at some point. He may have. Yeah, I mean, he may have. But um, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, yeah, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought into into that. But um, if you're talking about Dusty Baker and his success with the Astros, I D- mean, it's, it's about as good Baker as you can get. Dusty Baker played eight seasons for, for the Braves. Okay. Well, there you go. I, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Y'all find out any more it out okay no. yeah yeah well, i'll have to look into that we appreciate the call man let's uh let's we appreciate him calling in we got to get to the phone lines one more time 334-321-1390 tie the tiger man you're on the line ty do we have you have y'all not, hey there you are I, there you are hey uh have y'all not heard anything about the uh tip off the tumors they're not doing that this year i haven't heard I, anything about it i would assume if I, we uh, haven't if we haven't heard at this point i would doubt that it's happening i think it I think it may not be an every year thing. It may be like an every other year type deal. I, I thought we've done it the last two years. So, I mean, well, one year we didn't do it because of COVID, but I thought we did it. Well, I think they that. did it, uh-huh. I, what was it, 2019? And then they obviously didn't do it 2020. So then they did it 2021, right? right? I right. believe so. Okay. So they may, because of that COVID year, maybe they realized, okay, we could do this every other year or maybe just on like, you know, every three or four years type of thing. Because, uh, you know, if you look at it, if you do it every year, it would start to lose its its specialty and its coolness, if you will, for lack of a better word. I don't know. I just kind of wanted to see a slam dunk contest with the new guys <laughs> we got going on. Hey, real quick. Uh, and then I just want to I want to ask you all a question, and then my little man Charlie wants to say something real quick. Um, what if Harson does get, win the next four games and then plays Bama in another close one? And he's you know ends the ends the season seven and five. Um, I mean, is there is there still no chance he's gonna he gets a third year? And then hold on one second. Well, Eglin, I'm gonna need to step up the QB and knowledge people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's man. the best call. Look, we've, hey, that we've, is we've had all day. That's the yeah. best call we've had in a while. We appreciate you calling in, Ty the Tiger. We'll go ahead and, and jump on that real quick. We got about two minutes. We we talked about this earlier. I don't think seven and five would save his job. I don't, and I think I think in order there for there to be any sort of conversation, 
You'd have to beat Alabama, which I don't think is possible with this team right now. It's it's I don't I don't see it happening. I know it, the optics would change nationally. It would look bad for Auburn, and that's why I'm antsy for Auburn fans when I look at the fact that a change has not been made and there seems to be a slightly softening path to four straight wins coming out of the off week. Yeah, and you know, to kind of give my two cents on it before we get out of here, it wouldn't just be the wins for Auburn and Brian Harson, right? If if Auburn were to miraculously win out, right? It was say they win like Ty the Tiger said, win their next four and play Alabama close on the road, right? And, and end up losing. It would still, I don't think, would be enough to win his job or to save his job just because... It's not going to change recruiting. Exactly. It would have to be if he wins four and loses to Alabama or he somehow wins out, Brian Harson and Auburn, it wouldn't just be about the wins because he's not going to get fired just for the losses. He's going to get fired... And let's and let's be real. He doesn't have a lot of friends in town right Exactly. Now. He, and again, he's not going to get fired just for the losses. He's going to get fired for the losses and because the direction of the program is going the wrong way. It's going mm-hmm. backwards. That is the problem. So if he were to win out, that'd be great. That would be awesome. Auburn fans would love it. But if the program's trajectory doesn't change and recruiting doesn't pick up and people are still saying, well, is Brian Harson really if, the guy? Then it doesn't matter. If he won out, we would be having an extremely uncomfortable conversation about will they or won't they fire him, which would look horrendous nationally if you somehow beat Alabama and won these other four games. And again, it all comes down to where is the program at and where is the program going? Because just because you get hot and you went out and you somehow beat Alabama, if your recruiting class is still second to last in the SEC, you're still getting out recruited by Vanderbilt, then I don't care if you beat Alabama. I really don't. If that's where the program is three weeks after that or a week after that, then I don't care. But the problem with that is there's not going to be any time to make you're going to have a very very limited window to make that decision because with the trajectory it's on right now they're going to fire Harson the day after the Iron Bowl you've got to bring in a coach and you got about two and a half weeks before early signing period so then you got to figure out do we risk it again on Brian Harson or do we pull the plug that's it for the Monday edition of On the Line we'll have a great show tomorrow come back we'd love to hear from you that's all we got though stay safe I'll talk to you later